0: Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan from Fireside Yankees, and we're back for the second episode of the Baby Bombers podcast. We appreciate all the kind words and support on the first one. If you guys have not seen it already, links will be in the description. We had a really fun time breaking down every single affiliate for the Yankees minor league level. It's a longer episode, so make sure you guys check it out. I made sure to put timestamps in there and all that. But in today's video, we're going to be talking about Baseball America's top 100 list, where the Yankees featured six prospects, and we're going to talk about all six of them. We're going to talk whether I feel like I'm higher on them or lower on them than their placement. And we're also going to discuss some guys who could make it next year or who just missed. But with that being said before we get into everything make sure you guys like comment and subscribe turn on the notification bell so you guys don't miss out on our next posts and make sure you guys check our various social pages we have a twitter we have an instagram we have a tiktok that's just short of twenty thousand uh, followers so make sure you guys check that out we also have a facebook page where we constantly post articles as well and obviously the sutu page we have shorts we have daily podcasts we have everything you guys are looking for and live streams but with that being said let's get on with today's podcast <laughs> So the first prospect we're going to talk about is number 72 ranked prospect, Chase Hampton. Chase Hampton put up a 3.63 ERA and a 3.38 fifth across 20 starts for the Double A Somerset team and the High A Hudson Valley team, and he was excellent this past year. He had the third best strikeout to walk rate at 24.7%. He did struggle with giving up home runs down the stretch in Double A and ended up being shut down in August as the hidden innings limit, which makes sense. He hadn't thrown over 100 innings at any point during his collegiate uh, career, even when you include summer ball. He topped that at 56 and two third innings pitched, and that was in 2022 his draft year. So when you go from 56 and two third innings pitched to over hundred innings pitched, it's understandable that a team is going to be careful and try to build you up and not just rush you into potentially getting hurt or stretching yourself out and performing ineffectively and developing bad habits. The Yankees made it a big emphasis for him to work on his mechanics and add two pitches in a cutter and a sweeper that improved this profile dramatically, allowing him to get more swings and misses and land more pitches in the zone. His fastball in particular got a lot better with the Yankees because it was able to up itself in terms of velocity as the mechanical change the Yankees made not only made him more consistent in his strike throwing as he threw that pitch for a strike roughly 65% of the time, but it also made it better in terms of velocity. He was able to sustain said velocity late into games, averaging 93.3 miles an hour with that number going up as the season went on. The spin on his four-seam fastball is great. He generates over 2,500 rotations per minute of spin. He has 18.9 inches of vertical carry and ultimately, it's a great swing and miss pitch. He lands that pitch in the zone over 65% of the time for strikes, which is excellent. Again, command is something that he really worked on with the Yankees. They got him to unlock a lot of that with uh, changes to his mechanics and And ultimately, he just looks a lot better on the mound. For the cutter and slider, that sweeping slider has a lot of bite. It has a lot of horizontal break. We're talking 15 to 16 inches of horizontal break. At some pretty solid velocity. The cutter has a decent amount of horizontal break as well. Chase Hampton naturally gets around the baseball pretty well. So he profiles extremely well for a cutter and a sweeper. And the Yankees added both of those pitches to his profile. And as a result, he completely took off. And then you have the curveball. That was his primary breaking ball throughout college. That's a pitch he has a great feel for. That's a pitch that's going to be excellent for him. And having four above-average pitches in your repertoire and having four above-average pitches that plays to both righties and lefties is extremely important for your projectability. And for Chase Hampton, he looked so good on the mound, so poised, so in control of things that I have a lot of, uh, insur- a lot of assurance that he's going to be very good at the major league level. Uh, and look, he could get hurt, things could happen, there are reasons why certain prospects, no matter how talented they are, don't pan out, but I would have personally ranked him a little bit higher on this list. Because he was placed number 72, that means that they view him as the Yankees' sixth best prospect, and I personally believe he's better than that. I do understand ranking position players over pitchers in terms of prospect rankings, because the median outcome for a position player is significantly better than the median outcome for a a pitching prospect, but... I do believe that the New York Yankees have a pretty talented pitcher in Chase Hampton, and I would have slotted him more towards the top 50, maybe putting him third or fourth on the Yankees list. And we'll talk about some of the guys that would have slid down and some of the guys I think Hampton would have been placed over. Uh, and ultimately, look, am I going to be mad at them putting him at 72? I'm going to be mad at them ranking him and putting him in that kind of conversation. No, the, the difference between the number 50th prospect and number 72 prospect is negligible. It's not me sitting here and saying Baseball America doesn't know what they're talking about, that Baseball America is horrible at their job. They do great work and they're a great outlet for prospect information, but I personally would have just evaluated Chase Hampton a little bit better than some of the other guys in the organization. Again, personal preference. That's just how I feel. Um, But yeah, I would have slid him up a little bit higher on this list, but... Overall, a really successful year for Chase Hampton this year, a really nice ranking, and it's a great reflection of the Yankee organization that this is the third top 100 prospect selected in the 2022 draft. We'll get into the first guy they selected in that draft a little bit later, but again, Chase Hampton was excellent this past year. I am really excited for him, and when I release my top 30, you guys will see where I put him on that list. I think I'm pretty high on him, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. Coming in at number 71, one spot ahead of Chase Hampton on Baseball America's top 100 list was Austin Wells, who made his way all the way to the major leagues. Past season, struggled a little bit with the bat. He only had a 108 WRC plus and double A, a 101 WRC plus and triple A. Came up to the Major Leagues, held his own. A 97 WRC plus is pretty solid. And the underlying metrics are pretty good. He had 367 expected weight on a base average, a 13.8% barrel rate with the major league team in his cup of coffee there. He only played 19 games with the New York Yankees at the Major League level, but he looked really good down the stretch. And a couple of things I really like about Austin Wells have to do with his ability to consistently put the ball in the air and pull the ball in the air. He does damage contact and he does damage contact frequently, and that's going to really help him at Yankee Stadium where he's got a good ballpark for a swing. That left-handed swing is going to be able to put a lot of fly balls to right field, and he'll be able to likely put up a WRC plus between 100 and 105 in his rookie season, which will certainly help the Yankees as a catcher. And that's a position where you typically don't get offense. Getting a 100 WRC plus or getting a 105 WRC plus is, is a win from the position. The question from Austin Wells right now is whether he's going to have the defense to sustain himself behind the plate. Now, Baseball Prospectus believes he is a good minor league framer. He was pretty good in those metrics. StatCast thinks he's a below average framer this past year at the major league level. And then Fangraphs believes he's an above average framer at plus one framing rating. Even if he's an average defender, that's likely good enough given the fact that he's a pretty solid hitter, and I think he's only going to get better behind the dish. He has made a lot of strides from his collegiate days where it looked like he had no chance of sticking behind the plate, and now it looks like he could even be an above average defender back there. So obviously you're looking at a skill progression and saying, this is why a player could be really good for you, and, and sometimes that can backfire, but Austin Wells is certainly a guy who has the bat to float himself at the major league level, and if he doesn't pan out as a catcher, could certainly pan out as a first baseman or as a right fielder or maybe even a DH who knows, but the bat is really, really good. And that's the enticing thing here. Now, looking at Austin Wells and looking at the Yankees needs, they need left-handed hitting. They need guys who can hit right-handed pitching and Wells is certainly going to help them on that front. And I'm ultimately really encouraged by what we saw uh, at the minor league level as he progressed and as he struggled and was able to make adjustments to get better. There are a lot of things that he's worked on. He, he looks like he's going to be entering this year with a chip on his shoulder to earn that starting catcher job. He talked about in an article, as a major league player, you don't aim to become a backup. You aim to start. And he's going to have to compete with Jose Trevino, who is a beloved catcher in the Yankee pitching staff. He is a guy who's going to get starts with Garrett Cole at the very least. So Wells will certainly have to battle his way into the starting lineup consistently and he is going to have a great opportunity in spring training if he stays healthy to really display his offensive skill set he puts the ball in the air a ton he rarely hits ground balls he usually pulls the ball and those kinds of skills just translate super well to the major league level he has always been a very good hitter at every level he's played at and entering his age 24 season I am extremely encouraged by what we could see from him this year. Again, the Yankees have been dreaming on his bat for a while. Entering 2023, his stock was super high. He'd done nothing but mash. Again, in 2023, he kind of took a step back offensively at the minor league level. But if he's able to get himself back into gear, get the mechanics back to where they were in 2022 and to start the year, he is certainly going to be a force at the plate. Unfortunately, injuries have held him back in the past, and that's why I think the 71 placement firm is fine. I know that he was ranked outside of the top 50, but I would have placed him outside of the top 50 for the same reasons. Injury concerns for him are legit. He missed most of spring training last year with a rib injury, and that could create some concerns. He is definitely going to be a guy who's going to get banged up behind the plate. and again, the catching position is very grueling physically, so you have some concerns about how long you can stay behind there, but again, Having Jose Trevino means you can manage his innings, you can manage his workload back there. He's not going to have to catch five days a week or six days a week because, again, you have Jose Trevino, who is such a good defensive player that even if he's a bad hitter, you're fine with it because he's just such a good defensive player. He'll impact the game and he'll prevent you runs and those prevented runs will go a long way to getting wins. And, of course, Garrett Cole's going to continue to pitch to Jose Trevino. And the Yankees can also divide up their plate appearances by just straight up platooning, saying, all right, Austin Wells, you're going to hit against righties, Jose Trevino, you hit against lefties. If you look at their numbers against those Matchups, they are really good. Like Austin Wells crushed against righties this past year, and Trevino has always been very good against left handed pitching, especially with the Yankees. Uh, so I think that could certainly maximize the value of these two players. But again, we'll have to wait and see. I don't know if Austin Wells will get DH opportunities in games where Garrett Cole is on the mound and there's a righty at the plate uh, on the mound for the other team, but we'll have to wait and see. Now, moving on to the next guy on this list, we have Roderick Arias, who ranked number 68 on the top 100. And again, this is a fine placement. I would have honestly argued for him to be behind Chase Hampton and Austin Wells, just because he's a very raw prospect, he has not played above the complex league, and he has some concerns about his hit tool, an 18.8% swinging strike rate certainly isn't encouraging, although it didn't lead to an abundance of strikeouts, just a 22.3% strikeout rate, which is solid, uh, and he had a 143 WRC plus, he absolutely crushed the baseball, he had 6 home runs in just 27 games, likely would have led the FCL Yankees in home runs had he not gotten hurt, in terms of exit velocity, he wasn't super impressive. He only averaged, I believe, 87.9 miles per hour of average exit velocity, but that's expected given the fact that he's only 18 years old, or excuse me, he was only 18 years old entering the year. He's now entering his age 19 season, perhaps adding more strength, adding more uh, reps underneath him, better conditioning, whatever it may be, can allow him to grow into a six-foot frame. It's important to note, guys, when it comes to teenagers, like... If you're at your strongest at 18, you're not going to make for a great major league player. So there's certainly room for him to grow in that regard. He's still an excellent athlete. He has great arm strength. And I'm really excited about the projectability of Roderick Arias. But again, I would be a little bit reserved, a little bit more uh, bearish on his profile just because of the fact that, again, he is a younger guy. He is, you know, one of the least experienced prospects on... Actually, he is the least experienced prospect on this top 100 list. Um, and I don't know if he's meaningfully better than some of the other Florida Complex League guys we saw Guys like George Lombard Jr. who the Yankees recently drafted. Um you know even a guy like Henry Delaine like was Henry Delaine a better prospect than Roderick Arias? We'll get to that in a little bit. But I would have said I would say that Arias is closer to a top 90 guy and a top or a top 80 guy than he is a top 70 or 60 guy. Um, I think that they're really projecting the raw tools to get better. I think maybe they have a higher grade on Arias's projectability or just, they're just anticipating, uh, more growth in 2024. And I'm certainly all for it. I believe there are legitimate reasons to rank him where they ranked him. I probably would have slid him down a little bit again just based on some of the other guys the Yankees have on their list. Um, we do not have a lot of data on Roderick Arias compared to other guys in this list where we can speak more extensively about their pros, their cons, their strengths, their flaws because we have more information on it. Roderick Arias was an international free agent signing who only has two years of pro play, and he hasn't even accumulated 70 games of minor league play, and he's only done so in the Dominican Summer League and the Florida Complex League. For guys like Spencer Jones, we have collegiate data to go alongside, A data, Austin Wells got to play at the major league level, Chase Hampton again, we've got high A data, A data, college data, um, it, it's just a matter of not having a lot of data on Roderick Arias, and again, being a younger prospect, could he flap this list? Absolutely. If Roderick Arias crushes it in single A he's going to be on a lot of top 50 lists because he'll get to high A, he'll likely perform admirably if we crushed it in single A, and he'll put himself in the conversation to potentially be a double A guy in 2025, and if he's in double A by then, that's when you start thinking, when is he going to be a major league ready guy? When is he going to factor into the Yankees infield equation? There are a lot of questions to have, and obviously with Gleyber Torres' impending free agency, they will likely have an opening at second base position. I also assume they'll have an opening at third base because I imagine Dijon Mayhew's age is going to catch up to him at some point. It kind of did in the first half last year, although he was able to rebound and still put up a 101 wrc plus with a great second half but again ultimately water number 68 on baseball america's top 100 list i would have probably put him as the yankees sixth ranked prospect at least among this group of players given his youth. And again, there's still some concerns. He doesn't have a lot of minor league games played and there's still a lot to learn about him. But if you're looking at just straight upside, there might not be a guy in the organization with more upside. So certainly a very exciting year for Maduro Correas. And I'm very excited to see how he builds on that in 2024. Now moving on to Everson Pereira, Everson Pereira really struggled at the major league level. And it's unfortunate because it wiped away a lot of the really good things he did this past year in AAA and AA. And he was ranked as the Yankees number as the number 67 prospect in all of baseball, the third-ranked prospect the Yankee organization. Now, I think this is certainly an aggressive ranking. I don't know if I would have put Everson Pereira on a top 100 list just given the lack of a hit tool. Usually, when you look at a player's profile, you say, all right, they have one thing they're not great at. It's not enough to knock them out of a top 100 list, but considering that it's your hit tool... That's pretty damning. If you don't have a good enough hit tool, the power tool doesn't really matter. It's not like Pereira plays a premium position either. He plays a corner outfield spot. Um, but still, the raw power is so enticing. He tied with Spencer Jones for the league and all of minor league baseball uh, in exit velocity at 93.8 miles an hour. He had a 132 wRC plus in AAA, a 145 wRC plus in Double A. Hit 18 home runs in 81 games. The profile, it's just so enticing. He just hits the ball so hard. And he actually makes some really good swing decisions. He's super aggressive in zone. And he's about average at chase rate. So when you have an average chase rate and you're hyper aggressive in zone you're going to make a lot of really good swing decisions, and you're going to take advantage of a lot of poor pitches. And unfortunately, teams were able to throw a lot of breaking balls to him, and they were able to get uh, Pereira to make some ugly swings and some poor swing decisions. But we'll see if the Yankees are able to unlock a little bit in that hit tool, get him a little bit better, a little bit more consistent, maybe a shorter, more compact swing. Who knows? But when it comes to just putting damage contact out there, Everson Pereira is unmatched. This guy has unbelievable raw power. He has excellent game power. This is a guy who, you know, if he ever just has an average hit tool, Honestly, if it's a 40-grade hit tool, he'll probably be a pretty good hit at the major league level. The defense in left field is pretty good. The base running is pretty good. The speed is pretty good. The athleticism, everything is good. It's just the hit tool is not good at all, and and that holds him back a lot. Again, I wouldn't have ranked him in my top 100 most likely. I think I would have given a spot to like Henry Lillane. I think I would have placed Austin Wells above him. I certainly would have placed Chase Hampton above him. I think the third spot just makes a lot of sense for a guy like Chase Hampton over a guy like Everson Pereira. But Baseball America, again, they're looking at the tools, looking at the skill set and saying, this guy hits the ball harder than anybody else. And when you hit the ball harder than anybody else, they kind of have to be graded pretty highly because that's something that determines your ceiling. Those kinds of skill sets, power, speed, defense, they determine your floor and your ceiling. Whereas your hit tool, it does establish your floor. Like you need to have an acceptable hit tool in order to succeed at the major league level. But guys who can't hit for much power don't become stars. We don't see superstars that can't hit for power in the league anymore. Those really aren't a thing. Are there certain guys who hit for less power than others? Certainly. But if you're a good hitter in this league, if you're a great hitter in this league, you most likely have some power. Even Luisa Rise cranks about eight home runs a year. And that's more than a lot of these guys can say with like 30 grade game power or 45 or even 40 grade game power. Luisa Rise is like probably the best example of what your hit tool can be. And he's what? A three and a half to four war player at best, you know? So it's really important to look at a, a player's power tool. I think that's why Baseball Prospect is graded out Everson Prayer so highly and I ultimately believe he's a talented player, I don't think he's a bust yet, I think people have written him off, I still think he's a, like a top 10 prospect in the organization, he's not a top 100 guy anymore, um, and we'll see, like this year's a big year for him, he's not going to get a lot of opportunities at the major league level, barring a myriad of injuries, um, and maybe he even gets traded, but he's still only 22 years old, he won't turn 23 until uh, April, so this will be his age 23 season, and we'll see if he can develop some things and work on some stuff, because again, the athleticism, the power, everything is so intoxicating, it's so, Enticing, and you can see how the profile could work out. But we're asking for a guy to develop his hit tool, and that can be pretty tough. Now, another guy who has kind of the power over contact situation but does so with a lot more sustainable tools is Spencer Jones, who was ranked as the Yankees' number 46 prospect, uh, or excuse me, as Baseball America's number 46 prospect, and the Yankees' number two prospect in the organization. And that's Spencer Jones. Now, Spencer Jones is a pretty good hitter, he has some really good raw power tools. He is remarkably inexperienced. Like I know that he struggled uh, at times and he looked kind of out of whack, right? Like he only put up a 114 WRC plus between high A and double A only had 16 home runs, but guys, he has what? Like two years of college hitting. He missed a bunch of time with Tommy John. He was originally going to be a pitcher. That's what he was going to be drafted as. And he's become a monster at the dish. He absolutely destroys the baseball. He was tied with Erickson Pereira, as I mentioned earlier, in exit velocity at 93.8 miles an hour for prospects on the Baseball America's Top 100 list. He has every physical tool you could dream of. He's working on getting out in front of the ball, hitting more balls in the air and to right field, which will certainly help his profile and help him generate more game power. And I think he's going to work on a lot of things that are going to make him better. I think the Yankees are going to have a player here who could take a big leap in year two at the professional level. And the defensive skill set is ridiculous. Everyone talks about the bat, how good the bat could be, how good the bat will be. But the defense in center field is plus plus. He is truly an excellent defensive center fielder. This is a guy who's going to go out and put up like seven or eight defensive runs saved in center field. Great arm. Great speed, great range, great instincts. Everything is just great in the outfield, and I think that's gonna float his profile a ton. Being a good defender at a premium position makes you really good. Like Anthony Volpe's value last year came from his glove. Basically, it did not come from his bat. He was one of like the fifteen worst qualified hitters in terms of WRC plus, and he's still roughly a two WAR player. A two war player is an average and above average major league regular somewhere in that range. If Spencer Jones figures out a way to hit and he puts up a 110 WRC plus at the major league level, he's going to be a four to four and a half war player. And of course, he is an unbelievably dynamic pace runner. I mentioned the speed. I mentioned the athleticism. He stole 43 bases in 117 games. He is super athletic. He is super aggressive. He wants people to know that he can run. He wants people to know that he's got that kind of speed. He is a freak of an athlete. And that's why Baseball America put him in their top 50. They didn't put him in their top 20, which again, makes sense. There are some things he needs to work on. His hit tool isn't good enough. His swing decisions could use work. His uh, batted ball data, he needs to lift the ball more. There are things... He needs to do, but he is an inexperienced hitter. He is a guy who's still learning the ropes of being a hitter, and he's learning the ropes at single, at, uh, high A and double A, which are just not easy levels to learn at. And he still held his own at both levels, so super encouraging first year for him. A lot of, of the uh, other stuff, like the defense and the and the base running, that kind of float your profile were excellent. And for me, that gives him a pretty safe projection of at least being a major league caliber player down the road. It's just a matter of whether he's going to be a star or like a solid defensive outfielder who can uh, occasionally hit some home runs here and there. Now the Yankees top prospect, it's the Martian, it's the guy who came up and dominated for the Yankees in his small cup of coffee with the team, and that's Jason Dominguez. The switch hitting phenom is remarkable. I know a lot of people like to like doubt Jason Dominguez. They like to say things about him, they like to, you know, play down the greatness of his profile. But guys, this is a special, special hitter. Excellent swing decisions, uber aggressive in zone, doesn't change the ton. Excellent game power and raw power. He averaged over 91 miles an hour on his exit velocity this past year between double A and triple A. He was remarkable. He walks a ton. He again hits for a ton of power. His hit tool got better. He started swinging and missing a lot less throughout the season. That was super encouraging because the fewer swings of misses we see, the better his profile is going to be. He had a better swinging strike rate in AA this year than he did at AA last year. It was very similar to his high A swinging strike rate, and that number only got better as the season went on. And then AAA, his swinging strike rate was basically cut in like a third. It was 5.5%. I was really encouraged by what we saw from Jason Mingus this past year. I believe that he's going to be an unbelievable hitter. I think he's the best in the organization, uh, and I'm really encouraged by that. Um, the defense is concerning. I don't think he'll be a great defender in center field. I think he's going to profile better for a corner outfield spot. But just like Spencer Jones, he's an aggressive base runner. He stole 40 bases at the minor league level, only caught eight times. It's a better than 80% success rate. He's a great athlete, great speed, great feel for contact, great feel for the strike zone, great feel for power. Everything is just really good for Dominguez. If he can consistently consistently pull the ball and hit the ball in the air, he's going to hit a lot of home runs at Yankee Stadium. He already had four and eight games. I'm not saying he's going to hit four, uh, a home run every two games, but I certainly believe this could be a 25 to 30 home run hitter with around the 350 to 360 OBP. And that right there is probably one of the better hitters in baseball. You can already dream about him hitting with uh, Aaron Judge of Juan Soto for the next decade. You can dream about him at the top of the lineup, stealing 40 bases and setting the tone. You could dream about him hitting in the middle of your lineup. He is a very versatile hitter in that sense as well. He profiles kind of for anywhere in your lineup. So I think it's really encouraging that he was able to come up and make it all the way from AA to the major leagues in his age 20 season. He has taken a massive ascent. And that's while missing his first year of professional baseball because of COVID. COVID COVID knocked out the 2020 year. That would have been a year where he would have been at the Dominican Summer League, working on some things and and refining his skill set. We saw he had a lot of struggles in 2021. He struck out a ton, he didn't perform particularly well, and he completely, completely overperformed all the projections people had on him in 2021 where they started doubting him, and they didn't realize, look, guys, these are players who were affected by the 2020 pandemic. They lost an entire year of development. That's huge. Those are those are reps you can get in-game that you're no longer getting. Those are conversations with coaches. Those are opportunities to be scouted, opportunities where you're healthy to play that you just don't get because of the COVID pandemic. It was really discouraging, it was really disheartening, um, but Jason Mingus has been able to rebound, and and his profile has been excellent since then. 180 WRC plus in AA, 180 in AAA, 162 at the Major League level, and in the second half he completely went off. Um, I'm really encouraged by this, and he was there ranked as their number 16th prospect. I think that's a good place for him. He's the Yankees' top prospect. I would agree with that uh, assessment as well, and ultimately... A really good year for Jason Dominguez. I'm very excited about what he'll do in 2024 when he returns to Tommy John surgery, and I think he'll be a star in the making. With that being said though, let's now finish this episode off by talking about some of the guys who just missed. Now, Baseball America gave the Yankees four guys who just missed their top 100. I believe these are all guys who got votes, or at least were in consideration, and three of the four guys are teenagers. That includes Henry Lillane, that includes George Lombard Jr., and I believe that also included Brando Maya. Will Warren was another name that was included, but he He is not a teenager. He is a a 24-year-old pitcher in AAA. Talking about Lombard Jr., uh, talking about uh, a guy like, you know, Maya or talking about a guy like Lane, these are guys that you're going to project to make your top 100 list probably in the next year or two. Maya is probably the guy with the worst projection of the three just because he is about a year behind. He's, you know, not as positive a prospect as the other two guys, and it wasn't like he was dominant in the Dominican Summer League. High LBP but not great game power, although the athleticism makes for a great glove and great speed. Looking at a guy like Henry Lillane, Henry Lillane is super projectable. His stuff is excellent. And I think he's going to make for a very good pitcher down the road. He has excellent stuff. He is a left-handed pitcher who sits in the mid 90s, has a funky arm slot, a lower arm slot, and has a dominant breaking ball. He's going to be really good. Struck out over 38% of batters faced in the complex league this past year. George Lombard Jr. was drafted with the first-round pick for the Yankees this past year. He held his own in the complex league and in Single A. He's got pretty good projectable tools as well. A good all-around athlete. Good power. Good speed. Good glove. Good hit tool. Everything's pretty good. We'll see if he projects if he projects well at Single A. If he does well at that level and. and And if he's able to ascend into high A or maybe even double A, he's a young guy. He's only going to be 18 years old entering this season. He'll likely start out in single A. And again, I think he'll be a guy who pops off. I'm very encouraged by what we saw from George Lombard Jr. in his high school days and in his brief stint at the professional level. And the last guy is Will Warren. Now, Will Warren will likely never make a top hundred list because he'll likely not be a prospect after this year. I think he will he will lose his rookie eligibility because I think the Yankees will use him a lot because I think he's really good. He led all of Triple A stuff plus minimum five hundred pitches thrown. Same is true for pitching plus. He had a three point six one ERA in Triple A, which was the third best mark I believe for any pitcher with at least like eighty innings pitched because the run environment there was crazy. The International League had an average ERA of five point one eight. It was nuts. He has a great sweeper, a really strong sinker. His profile is great. And I think he projects very well because of the fact that he fits a lot of things the Yankees do well and his stuff is excellent. And when you have a guy with great stuff and solid enough command, usually that pans out to a pretty, pretty good pitcher. And he has a bunch of pitches as well. He's not a two pitch pitcher. He has a changeup and a fastball as well. uh, Of a four seam for the four seam variant of a four seam fastball. Um, and ultimately, I'm really encouraged by what he did in AAA. And I think he'll end up being a major leaguer uh, at some point pretty early in the year, honestly. With that being said, though, those are the Yankees' top 100 guys. Let us know if you guys think certain guys should have been on this list that weren't. Do you guys agree with their rankings? Do you guys think there should have been more guys, fewer guys? Is there anybody that you think will be on the top 100 list next year? Let us know in the comment section below. We appreciate you guys stopping by. And we thank you guys for checking out the second episode of the Baby Bombers podcast. We'll be doing more minor league content just like this right here at Fireside Yankees and you guys can check out our socials on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and of course, this YouTube page. If you want to check out my work, you can check it out at Ryan Garcia, ESM on Twitter. If you want to check out our written content, that's on empiresportsmedia.com. Again, empiresportsmedia.com, all your written content for all your favorite New York sports teams. And with that being said, I bid you guys to do. Have a great rest of your day, and peace out.